Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. And you were dead in the trespasses and sin in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And it is not of your own doing, it is a gift of God, not the result of works, so that no one can boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I want to turn our attention specifically to verse 10. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Throughout this series, we've been talking about our callings, our work and callings and the specific things that God has called us to in this life. And how there's many different spheres, there's many different uh, kind of areas of life in which God has called us to and equipped us, many different roles that we have. When we think about this verse particularly, when we think about verse 10, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which he prepared beforehand. Often what those good works are and how they take place is in our day-to-day callings, is in the midst of of the everyday as we go to the workplace and faithfully love our neighbor through our vocation. As we love our family, as we fulfill our duty as citizen, these are ways in which God has prepared good works for us. But we might have continuing questions, okay, that's great, but, but what is my calling? What am I supposed to do? How does this work out in my life? How do I work all these things together? I want to conclude this series on your work and callings by answering or at least attempting to address these two questions. First is, how do I find my calling? How do I find my calling? Often when we think about this term, how do I I find my calling, when we think about this this phrase, this idea, typically we start with us, right? What am I good at? What do I want to do? I want us to look at this question in two main categories or two main sections. First, I want to set the parameters, and then we can start to discuss some of those questions. But we need to have the parameters in place first. First is the non-negotiables. The non-negotiables of answering this question. The first non-negotiable is this. Is it lawful? Is it lawful? 
Another way we could say this is, does this job glorify God? I framed it as lawful because it presses home the point that we've been making throughout our series that all lawful callings glorify God and benefit our neighbor. All lawful callings glorify God and benefit our neighbor. So what is an unlawful calling or a calling that we shouldn't pursue? We said this earlier in the series, the closer you are to giving direct approval to sin, the more Christians should stop and think about their calling. The closer you are to giving a direct approval to sin, the more Christians should stop and consider their calling. We can't know all the possible ways that our work will lead to sin, but we should be careful to avoid work that directly causes sin. So, If you're gearing up to be a world-class bank robber, no, that's not lawful. Several things that are just off-limits because they clearly violate the law of God. Secondly, and, and related to this, is this. Does it allow me to live a godly life? Does it allow me to live a godly life? 1 Peter 1, 15 and 16 says this, But he who called you is holy. You also be holy in all your conduct, since it is written, You shall be holy, for I am holy. The one who called us, the, the one that we have primary allegiance to, the one who orders all of our callings, is holy and calls us to holiness. Therefore, if there's any calling, if there's any potential calling that gets in the way of our pursuit of holiness, our pursuit of godliness, we need to pump the brakes. We need to stop and consider. Uh, I think two questions or uh, uh, three questions that we could kind of have as subcategories to this that can help us think through this, this a little bit more is first, will it mean unfaithfulness in other areas of life? Will it mean unfaithfulness in other areas of life? There's some things that we're good at that we might want to pursue, but will rob us of other responsibilities. Are you able to be faithful in your other callings if you pursue this job? Someone I know was, was looking uh, forward to be uh, a coach. Want to have a career as in, in coaching, and in fact, his, his friends were doing this as well, and they were kind of working their way up uh, the coaching ladder. And he was working as an assistant coach in a, a, a D two kind of college, and and as a as receivers coach, and wanting to kind of work his way up there. But one thing he noticed as he he observed other coaches, and he he was in, in immersed in this culture, was that there were certain people who had personalities like him. Very addictive personalities and just love the game and just giving all to it that ended up losing their family in the pursuit of success in this field. And for him, he saw that and he saw others who fell into that and said, that, that would be me. Now his friends are pursuing that and they're doing, doing a great job, but he said, for, for me... That they can do that and be fine, but for me, with my personality, with, with things that I, I kind of gravitate towards, I don't know if that would be a good fit for me. 
I don't know if I should walk down this road because I think that's how it would end up. Now, this doesn't mean it's, it's an off-limits. No, no godly Christian can pursue this. But what it does mean is, are we aware of ourselves? There are certain things that can be godly and, and honorable to pursue, but because of our personalities, because of our makeup, maybe that's not the best thing for us. Second kind of sub-question for this would be, would this job cause you to sin? There's also the question of compromising biblical morality to do well in a career field. Some jobs cater to compromise. Wisdom from others is helpful to know our limits and what would be a good fit. Just because there's temptations doesn't mean we is, is off limits. We live in a fallen world. There's temptations with everything. But knowing our personality, knowing what we're prone to, is this a good fit? What am I weak in? What do I give into temptation? Sometimes it's better to pass on the job than to fall into temptation. Remember Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, he says, if your eye causes you to sin, kind of pluck it out. It's better to go through life without your eye uh, than to fa- use it to fall into sin. Well, your eye is very objectively part of you. Or cutting off your hand, he says, well, that's, that's part of you. Like, that's yours. You know that's true. And he's, he's speaking severely, he's speaking harshly to get the, the point, but there's times where subjective calls, I think I might be supposed to do this, it's not even clear, it's not a body, like it's not a hand attached to us, it's, this might be a good fit, and we pursue that and we justify that even though we know that would cause sin. It's a dangerous path to walk. This is different than the first question. The first causes sin and should be avoided by everyone. This question might apply differently to different people. It also might apply differently based on the circumstances surrounding the specific job in question. A good example of this is Brooke Parsons. Uh, He's the pastor of the late R.C. Sproul's church. When he was young, he was approached to be part of the Backstreet Boys. He joined them at first, but quickly grew convicted. They had fabricated the story of how they all knew each other and made fake backstories for each group member. That, combined with other ethical questions about the group, he decided to quit. But his decision wasn't without its detractors. He writes this, Many of the Christian friends and adults around me said it seemed like it was a door that God had opened for me. Herein lies the danger of open-door theology. Just because a door is seemingly open doesn't mean we should walk through it. And just because a door is seemingly closed doesn't mean we shouldn't knock it down and walk through it. Their reasoning, almost persuasive, went like this. If God had really called me to ministry, and if God had given me certain talents, and if God had opened this door to a potentially worldwide audience, then God must want me to do it. It was an open door. Why not do it? The advice from many Christian men and women, many seemingly excited and jealous for my opportunity, was to go into it and see if I could be some sort of voice for God in the world through the entertainment industry. Of course, all my friends thought I was, it was cool and I'd be crazy not to do it. 
So Parsons is wrestling through the ethical questions surrounding this work, and others are bypassing them entirely. What's also at play in this story is that there's a godly counsel from someone in his life who challenged him to see some of the dilemmas. While a calling to sing and perform is not necessarily out of bounds, given the circumstance, he realized that to go forward would mean moral compromise. How can I say that Christ is my ultimate calling? He, he's the, my ultimate calling is, is a disciple of Christ and say he's probably calling me this, to this area in order to let others know about him when the entire reason I'm here, the entire, my entire backstory is a lie in order to get in. I can't do it. I can't lie and justify that that's somehow going to make this this better because of the influence it might have. Again, that doesn't mean entertainment industry is out of bounds. But for him, in that circumstance, because of what was happening, I can't pursue that. I can't go after that. Another aspect that we should consider is the question, are there any solid churches in the area? Are there any solid churches in the area? If you're called as a Christian, you're called to be part of a local church. And sometimes it can be harder to find a solid church than a solid job. Too often we can be enticed by location or perfect fit. Think about all throughout COVID, like we've been discussing this verse has come up over and over again, like uh, Hebrews 10, do not forsake the assembling together. And some of us totally neglect even thinking about the assembling together as we're pursuing careers, as we're pursuing jobs. Well, this is a good position. This is, you don't even understand it. It's by the beach. Like, well, we're thinking about different categories, but we're not thinking about our faithfulness to the Lord Jesus Christ. This also applies to those who have college students or are are thinking about going into college. Are there solid churches in the area? As you pursue your calling as a college student to equip you for the future, are there solid churches that can spiritually nourish you in that area? Is there a local church nearby? A faithful local church. Third, does it provide for my needs and allow me to bless others? Pastor Nate had a message on biblical work ethic where he discussed 1 Timothy 5, 8. I'm going to read it again. But if anyone does not provide for his relatives and especially for the members of his household, he is denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Traeger and, and Gilbert wrote um, a book uh, called the, the Gospel at Work, and I'm pulling a lot of information from them, a uh, terrific book, say, say this, If you choose a job that uses your gifts but doesn't pay enough to provide the basics for yourself and your family, the Bible says you're living in sin. Believe it or not, money is a must-have. I give an illustration I knew of a, a couple in a previous ministry. A man felt uh, called into a, a particular field. 
He said, I, I'm gifted, I'm equipped, I, I think this is, this is the right fit for me as far as talents and skills. And so um, had a pursued a, a career and, and a job that cost more to travel there and back than he made. And so his wife was, was working three jobs to make ends meet so that he could fulfill the calling God had placed on his life. If pursuing the calling God has placed in your life causes you to be disobedient to your primary calling, it's not a calling. It's a vain pursuit. This doesn't mean that we can't pursue things on the side or work multiple jobs or whatever the case might be. But if we're all in and causing distress because of it, not considering other jobs that pay, that can be a dangerous position to be in. So we have our, our kind of a main parameters, the things that are the non-negotiables, but we also have things that are nice but not necessary. Nice but not necessary. The non-negotiables help us understand or discern God's revealed will, or what we call God's moral will. What are things that God has revealed that we need to abide by? But these questions can help us discern what's God's sovereign will. What's his secret will? We have to be careful here because we don't know exactly, and that's why we have to have the parameters in place. But now we start asking these questions. What can I do, given that those others are already in place? Does it take advantage of my gifts and talents? Does it take advantage of my gifts and talents? When we consider this question, it's appropriate to think of our specific abilities and talents. God has designed each of us differently. We each have strengths and weaknesses. When we ask how will we find our calling, we're not asking what do I want to do. There are some things that are simply out of bounds. We can't say, this is what I want to do, so this is is what I'm going to pursue. Our talents, our abilities, can automatically cross certain things off. If you really want to be an NBA basketball player, but you're 4'11", probably not going to happen. Can't will that into existence. There's certain limitations that we have that can be appropriate. One thing that we need to understand is, is our gifts and talents can make learning and growing in a particular field easier, more enjoyable. But if you're at a place where you're not particularly gifted or talented, that doesn't mean you can just cross off competence and not pursue competence. Pursuing competence could be more difficult. It could be harder. But we're still called to do our jobs well, however much we can in that circumstance. It's interesting because if we pursue competence and seeking to do really well at a job that we're not particularly gifted or talented at, that could even be God's way of, of kind of forcing us out of that. Gene uh, Vaith writes this, A fellow college professor told me about one of his former students who could just not keep up his grades. He was dedicated and determined, though, so he kept enrolling in classes. 
retaking those he failed and studying night and day. Finally, exhausted, he realized he had to take a semester off. He took a job for the time being, doing what he really enjoyed, namely working on cars. As an auto mechanic, he found himself rising in the ranks of the garage, taking on more responsibilities and earning more and more money. He felt he should go back to school, but he could not bring himself to quit his mechanic job. He was apologetic to his professor, but he should not have been. He had found his vocation. How many times are, are things difficult or things just challenging, but that's just God directing us somewhere else? Somebody, often we're not even, we wouldn't even be thinking in these categories. We're not even asking these questions. And yet God in his sovereignty is redirecting us and navigating us to a different place. Listen, we know for sure where are we called, where, where you are now. Right? And God has, has sovereignly orchestrated where you are now. That doesn't mean you have to stay forever, but often those unique circumstances we're part of God's orchestrating plan to lead you there. We know that for sure. It's also, we have to be careful to think, just because something's hard doesn't mean that God's directing us somewhere else either. Just because something's challenging, that could be God developing perseverance in us, that could be God challenging us, that could be God doing something in and through our life. Working in a fallen world Regardless of what it is, it's going to be difficult and challenging. Even if it's the precise fit. Jerry Seinfeld, um, in writing jokes, he just agonized because he said, it takes hours and hours to cut one minute from a joke. It's tedious work. And there's so much of that, regardless of, even if it's an ideal fit, there's, there's aspects, that there's differences that might not be what we would choose or want. And that's okay. God is using that uh, to grow us. Next, is it something that I want to do? Is it something that I want to do? Hopefully when we start thinking through our calling differently, we will want to align with what God wants for us. We want to do work that brings him honor and glory. We want to do work that steers away from temptation. We want to use our gifts for what God desires for us. But because of our sin, we think of our desires first, and other categories don't usually come into play. Sometimes we can even sit on our hands, waiting for the perfect fit, without pursuing opportunities that God has given us. Proverbs speaks to this, Proverbs twelve eleven. Whoever works with his, his land will have plenty of bread, but he who follows worthless pursuits lacks sense. Proverbs 28, 19, very similarly. Whoever works his land will have plenty of bread, but he who follows worthless pursuits will have plenty of poverty. How often is it today that we, we don't even pursue anything, but we simply wait for the right opportunity, and if the right opportunity doesn't come, then I just won't do anything. This is why we have a pandemic of uh, of. Um, even adult children living at home and things like that. We're not pursuing these God-honoring vocations, these God-honoring callings in our life, the opportunities that he has given us to provide for ourselves, to provide for our families. But instead, we're waiting for the ideal. We have to be careful 
of falling into that trap. We also need to realize that our callings are often in the hands of others. Even if you want to pursue something different right now, it's going to take multiple levels, multiple layers of things that need to work out in order for that to come to fruition. If I wanted to become a lawyer today, I couldn't simply walk out of here and be a lawyer. I need to go to law school. I need to pass law school. Right? I need to take certain examinations and do well there. I have a law firm that's, that hires me. Right? There's multiple things that are out of my control. I can't, I, I can't make them hire me. Right? I can't make these things come to fruition. They're in the hands of the Lord. So even as we're pursuing different things, we can't will it into existence. We're dependent on the Lord. He is the ultimate one who gives us our callings. But perhaps you're, you're thinking, well, I want to kind of discern. I don't really know my, my gifts, my abilities, or maybe you're um, a, a student or a college student, and, and what are things that I'm good at? What are things that I can, skills that I can sharpen and hone? And keeping some of the other things in, in mind, the parameters in mind. Uh, I'll give you four ways. First, understand that God equips each person uniquely. They're all unique creations of the Lord. Different personalities, different skills, abilities. Different families that we come from. They give us different insights. We also need to realize that we can discern gifts. And that community helps with that. As we grow and mature, there are certain things that we're just that just come easier to us, more naturally to us than other people. As we do this alongside others, people can notice this in ourselves sometimes better than we can, we can notice it. Pointing out in others, I, I see this in you. And, to, and doing that well, not, not poorly. We've seen like the examples of like singing shows where people think they're really gifted in singing and just prove to America that they're not. People that can lovingly come alongside and, and point out where we're truly gifted. And God also provides opportunities to develop our gifts. So as we're able to discern these, as we're able to, to notice these, often we're, we're placed in positions where we're able to exercise them. We're able to, to run after certain areas where we're able to hone this particular gift. This, we're not guaranteed that we'll use them in our paid vocation. But if God has given them to us, we are to use them for His glory and for the good of others. And God will give us wisdom in exercising them for the good of others. It's important to to understand that distinction. God doesn't promise us that we will have a, a perfect fit job. But he has gifted us and equipped us in unique ways that we can use for his glory and the good of others. We need to understand that. So how do we find our calling? We make sure that we understand the parameters. We chase after the other things, that what we're talented in, what we're gifted in, as we're able. And if you're in this age right now, you just wanted to discern your gifts, follow this procedure. Get feedback from others. What am I good at? How am I developing? And work to develop those for the good of those around you. Second 
main idea is how do you balance your callings? How do you balance your callings? Well, first and foremost, you need to know your callings. What are they? You can't balance what you don't know. What are they? First uh, Corinthians seven seventeen. Only that each person live the life that the Lord has assigned to him, and to which the Lord has called him. This is my rule in all the churches. God has called us to specific things. In that context, he's talking about singleness or being married. How do you know if you're you're called to marriage because you're married? How do you know that you're called to be a wife and a mother because you are a wife and a mother? Are you called to be an employee because you are an employee? Right? There's certain things that are just objective realities that you just understand that this is this is what God has called me to in this stage of life. Remember, we talked about the different spheres, the different kind of circles in our life, in our work, in our family, in our church as a citizen. There's certain things that are just very clear that God has called us to these things. We also need to distinguish between must-do and can-do within our callings. We have several callings within each of the circles that we've been using. We've just talked about uh, a few. You can be wife, wife and mother. And two callings within the calling of family. We also need to understand there's the must-do callings and there's the can-do callings within each circle. Can-do callings are things that we feel called to, but there is more room of free, in freedom in actually pursuing them or not. You may be called as your child's little league coach, but that should be distinguished from primary duties as father. You could be a coach or not be a coach and still be a faithful father. But you can't neglect to instruct your children in the way of the Lord or provide for their physical needs and continue to be a faithful father. A check for this is to ask, can I remove or change this calling and still be faithful to my ultimate calling? Can I change or remove this calling and still be faithful to love and follow the Lord Jesus in this area of my life? Understanding the differences between this will help us when we're feeling overloaded and need to tweak our callings in in different areas. The inability to distinguish between them can create unnecessary conflict and burden. Perhaps a benefit for many through COVID was realizing how overcommitted they had become. Next, we have to be careful of a straight hierarchy uh, uh, approach, uh, kind of this linear approach of, of, of uh, I'm a Christian first, then I'm a, uh, then, then my kind of like God, family, um, church, work, kind of like this, this, this tiered approach. I believe it can create tension where tension doesn't need to exist, and it can oversimplify our complex responsibilities in life. Let me take two examples, family and church, and then family and work. First, family and church. You might hear someone say, I'm skipping church today because I want to focus on my family. And even in this linear system, uh, the statement has problems. It assumes that entertainment with family is more beneficial to family health than worship with family. 
But in how we've been explaining things, it's even more problematic. It says that faithfulness in one area of life means I need to be unfaithful in another area of life. We are neglecting our calling as church member to fulfill our duty as family. The better thing is to ask what is leading to the tension in the first place. Is there anything outsized in its sphere? Any can-dos that are usurping and taking the place of must-dos? Another is family and work. And just as we... Yeah, family and work. Another tension that might exist is, is family and work. We can pit them against each other as if it's some zero-sum game. To be at work means that we're not with our family, for instance. But being at work is a specific way that we have been given to provide for our family. And we're called to be faithful there. And there's a danger that exists in kind of blurring the lines. For, for some uh, jobs and, and some uh, kind of callings, it can be easy. There's a clock in, clock out. I, I'm done with work now and now I'm home. And there's others where if you're not careful, uh, works with you no matter what. Like, like it's, it's always there and it's, you're always on. And so there can be a danger of blurring certain obligations that we have. And in certain situations, the obligation could be different. Right? So, just for, for instance, I like totally failed at this this past weekend um, as I'm, um, you know, with my family yesterday and things. And, and uh, my mind is not with my family. My mind is on sermon stuff. Like, like that's where it is. Like, like, it, like it's just there. Like that's where I am mentally. Uh, I'm there even though there's an obligation to be with my family right then. That's a danger. There's a danger when, when we take things with us that way. And a, a unique danger for those that um, have, have jobs that are like that. So for me, that's, if I'm not prioritizing my family in that instance, I'm, I'm, I'm failing because my primary obligation is to my family in that instance. And for some, if you're, you kind of have this linear view, you say, well, of, of course it is because family overwork. But let me, let me give you another scenario. Uh, imagine that I'm doing a funeral for a loved one of yours, and you're giving a remembrance. And while you're giving a remembrance, as you're reflecting on the life of this individual, I am sitting in the front row, FaceTiming my family, because they're really important to me. Well, that's failing my obligation to you in that moment. That's not recognizing Jesus as Lord in light of my multiple callings and what is most pressing in that moment. A linear approach is is too simplistic um, for our lives. It's nice because we like things that we can just kind of we understand, but this requires wisdom. This requires biblical wisdom. It's not a one-size-fits-all approach. It requires somebody who's in the Word, who understands their obligations, 
at different moments. What does Christ being Lord over my life mean in this moment for me right now? We need to know how to balance our callings by keeping the ultimate and subordinate in their proper place. In their proper place. So often we can promote a subordinate calling to an ultimate calling and make everything submit to that calling. One thing that we need to understand is the more multiple callings we have, the more callings that we have, the more divided we are. And the more challenging things can be in our lives. It doesn't mean that we don't pursue them, but we do need to weigh the costs. We need to understand how it affects us. Is this something that I can take on? Is this something that's going to be pulling me in too many directions and cause me not to be faithful in the areas that God has for me? Like I'm up here <laughs> preaching to you um, as a total hypocrite of this. Like this past semester, I totally overcommitted. I'm taking Hebrew, getting ordained, being a pastor, being a father, trying to hold all these things in tension. Multiple all-nighters are needed just to make deadlines. This is hard. Being faithful, knowing how to be faithful, often requires saying no. Pastor Nate, in his wisdom, said, you're just not doing anything in in January. You did that last year. You're not. I'm not allowing you. (laughs) You need to take time. I just appreciate that. We need people in our life like that. You've overcommitted. You're trying to do too much. Well, another thing that we can do if we're not careful is we can elevate what's easier. When we have multiple things that are pulling at us, a temptation can be elevating things that are easier for us. We place them as ultimate and make everything else submit to them. Think about it. Um, in, in many areas, we, we're bringing order out of chaos. But in some areas, bringing order out of chaos is much easier than others. You can stay late and do spreadsheets and bring order out of chaos there and not have to deal with the chaos that awaits you at home. Because that's more challenging. And we have to be very careful because we're, we're really easy. It, it can be really easy to justify things. Well, I have to get this done because it benefits my family. Well, what is our, what is our true motivation? What, what's really going on? Is it because we weren't diligent enough during the week? Is it because we are trying to avoid another responsibility that's necessary and pressing on us right now? Again, this requires wisdom. The answer might be different for each one of you. We also have to understand that the doctrine of vocation can be used as a justification for workaholism. We can use this doctrine of calling to justify being a workaholic. Sometimes working a ton of hours isn't a virtue, but it's a vice. Sometimes it's a lack of being diligent throughout the week. Other times it can be pride in not wanting to delegate or failure to simply rest with a day's work. 
Rest is a good and proper gift that shouldn't be neglected. Our pride doesn't want to rest. It wants to accomplish. It wants to show its merits. But rest is an act of humility. It's an acknowledgement that we are finite. We are not God. Proverbs 23 verse 4 says this, Do not toil to acquire wealth. Be discerning enough to desist. Right now, as we come to worship each week, we need to turn our mind off from a focus on what needs to be done tomorrow, what needs to be done later this afternoon, and engage in being a faithful worshiper. One indicator that work or anything else is in the driver's seat is if we cannot slow down enough to worship our Creator. The question is not what do I want to do or how do I balance things, but how will Christ's Lordship impact my obligations right now? Colossians 3 says this, Whatever you do, work heartily, as for the Lord and not for men. Knowing that the Lord, from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. Our obligation is to the Lord ultimately. We serve Him in the specific areas of life that He places us. It is often about choosing the better over the good at that moment. That better can change depending on our subordinate obligations. It means that we're not supplanting God with something else, no matter how badly we want to justify it. One of my favorite quotes is from Eugene Peterson, and this relates to my calling, and and I keep this in mind often. If succeeding as a pastor means failing as a parent, you've already failed as a pastor. We cannot sacrifice our callings at the altar of other callings. Christ alone must reign over them all. As we go to live out the good works which are prepared beforehand this week, let's not forget the context of Ephesians 2.10. Right before that verse, we read these words. For by grace you have been saved through faith. It is not of your own doing, it is a gift of God. Not a result of works, so that no one can boast. Though we're prepared for good works, though, though we, we, we live these out in our various callings, your right standing before God is not dependent on how well you discern your call. Your right standing before God is not dependent on how well you can juggle all the callings in your life. Your right standing before God isn't that you master all of this. Your right standing before God is sitting at His Father's right hand. He has accomplished His work. It is finished. He succeeded where we fail. And all who place their faith and trust in Him are justified. It means they're declared righteous. They're made holy in His sight. If you're here this morning and you've never trusted in Jesus Christ as your Savior, today's the day. And the train wreck that is 2020 with the eternal hope that will never end.
And that hope is found in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Turn from your sin. Trust in Him alone for your salvation. Knowing that you're secure in Him, walk in victory this week, seeking to be faithful to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Let's pray together. Dear Father, I thank you so much for your word. You are an amazing God who has gifted us and equipped us in individual ways. And God, we we seek to use those however you want. If you have that for our specific vocations and and, and paid callings, God, thank you for that. If, If not, you be glorified however you use them. God, as we go out this week, help us to rest in the finished work of Jesus and help us to seek to be faithful to him reflecting our Lord and Savior, the one who will come again one day and set all things right. Oh God, how we long for that day. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.